Biden remains atop the polls, Bernie proposes free college, and Buttigieg steps into dicey racial territory. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. And triple B today, Biden, Bernie, and Buttigieg. How good times as the debates approach. We'll be getting into all of it shortly. First, you know, when you're seeking to hire a president, sometimes you make bad decisions. And when you're seeking to hire an employee, sometimes you make bad decisions too. Well, there is one way that you can stop making bad decisions. This is where ZipRecruiter comes in. Hiring used to be hard, not anymore. When someone makes the slightest, most minor, insignificant mistake here on The Ben Shapiro Show, they know they can easily be replaced. Thanks to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire is the way that you access ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter will send your job posting to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. They don't stop there. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter then analyzes each one, spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the very first day. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E, ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire. ZipRecruiter is indeed the smartest way to hire. Go check them out right now. Don't be saddled with employees who don't match your expectations. Instead, go check out ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire. Okay, so the Democratic debate approacheth. The first one is tomorrow night on CNN. Ooh. And it's going to feature Elizabeth Warren and a cast of no names. That's the first debate. The first debate is Elizabeth Warren, who is steadily rising in the polls, taking away Bernie Sanders' support, maybe rivaling Joe Biden at the top of the Democratic field. And no one else is on that stage. Like Cory Booker, I believe, is on that stage. And no one cares. No one has any interest in Cory Booker. No one has any interest in any of the other candidates. It's like Marianne Williamson and Eric Swalwell and the cast of thousands. The, the big debate is the following night. The big debate is Thursday night. That's the one where you get Biden and Buttigieg and Bernie, and it's all party central over there. But tomorrow night is the sort of more boring debate where Elizabeth Warren does get her showcase. At the same time, she's sort of getting left out. She's sort of getting left, particularly if the second debate elevates into a Biden versus Bernie fight, which is what everybody sort of foresees at this point and what Bernie needs to happen. Right now, if Bernie wants to elevate himself above Warren, He needs to regain control of the narrative. He needs to wrest that control away from Elizabeth Warren, who's receiving these odes, these pans from the media, these huge profiles. She has ideas. She has plans. Ooh, so many ideas and plans. Weird, because Bernie had those plans first, and they were more extreme. As we'll see, Bernie has responded to this by posing even more extreme plans. The beauty of being in the Democratic Party is if you're ever short of an idea, just promise to make more things free. It's really simple that way. But here is the current state of the Democratic primary, according to a morning consult poll. And this is actually a little bit surprising. So according to this morning consult poll, Joe Biden remains the heavy front runner at 38% in the primaries. Now, that, of course, means that he has not really felt the impact of the whole he was hanging out with segregationists and he's racially insensitive and all of this. There's not a lot of evidence that's damaged him at all. In fact, these same poll numbers show that something like 30% of black folks who supported Joe Biden say they still support Joe Biden. 27% said they don't care. And only 20% said they were less likely to support Joe Biden. That's not a significant amount of movement. So Joe Biden is up at 38%, which is precisely where he was a couple of weeks ago in the morning consult poll, which shows that his candidacy is durable. Now, is it durable enough to withstand a singular challenger? Right now, he can hold off a field of 1,000. But can he hold off a field of one? This was the question for Hillary Clinton against Bernie Sanders. This will also be the question for Joe Biden against presumably Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders, or if Kamala Harris starts to gain momentum, Kamala Harris. As we'll see, I think Pete Buttigieg is in serious trouble this early on. So Bernie Sanders is in second place right now with 19%. This is also kind of surprising from the morning consult poll. A lot of the recent polls have showed that Elizabeth Warren was climbing over Bernie Sanders for that second place spot, that she was gaining momentum, that Bernie was losing momentum. Well, Elizabeth Warren is gaining momentum, according to the morning consult poll. She's up a couple of points to 13%, but she's still trailing Bernie Sanders by six in this morning consult poll, and they are both far behind Joe Biden. Now, as I say, if you aggregate together all of the far-left progressive votes, this is a much closer race, right? If Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and Pete Buttigieg and Kamala Harris were all one candidate, that candidate would be receiving 45% of the vote to Joe Biden's 38% of the vote. Joe Biden may have a 38% ceiling. 
So that means that if the field winnows quickly, then Joe Biden could be in trouble. If, however, the field remains disparate, then Joe Biden just runs right up the center the way that Donald Trump did in 2016 and takes the nomination. Elizabeth Warren is at 13. And then you get to the also-rans. Pete Buttigieg is stuck at 7%. Kamala Harris is stuck at 6%. She really has experienced significant failure to launch. Beto O'Rourke all the way down at 4%. The former darling of the Democratic Party when he was running against Ted Cruz, that dude is stuck all the way down at 4%, going nowhere fast. Cory Booker at a minuscule 3%. Andrew Yang, my boy Andrew Yang, at 2%. So I'm, I'm kind of happy about that because Andrew Yang, I actually think, is a at least a nice person who doesn't despise everybody who disagrees with him. So that's kind of nice. So Andrew Yang at 2%. And Michael Bennett, for some reason, at 1%. Kirsten Gillibrand not even charting, as always, the best part of this entire story. Okay, so Elizabeth Warren, however, is gaining momentum in one of the more radical polls. So there is a survey from MoveOn.org. Last time around, Bernie Sanders won going away among the MoveOn.org crowd. He was up at like 80% among the MoveOn.org crowd. Now, that's also because he was pretty much the only one running against Hillary Clinton. It wasn't like there was a huge field to choose from. Was the MoveOn.org crowd going to move over to Martin O'Malley or something? It was Bernie Sanders or bust. Now Elizabeth Warren has seized control of the MoveOn.org crowd. And this is why folks think that there's going to be a significant fade here from Bernie Sanders. According to NBC News, Senators Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders top a new straw poll, straw poll from the progressive group MoveOn.org, illuminating how the packed field of candidates is coming into focus for more left-leaning Democratic voters just before the first debate of the 2020 cycle. The poll, which was released on Tuesday and first reported by NBC News, shows Warren is the top choice of 38% of MoveOn's members nationwide, the top choice of voters surveyed in the early voting states of California, Iowa, Nevada, New Hampshire, and South Carolina. So she's all the way up at 38 Bernie Sanders is all the way down at 17%, trailing Elizabeth Warren by 20 points. That is a significant drop-off for Bernie Sanders. What happened to all the Bernie bros? Where's all the enthusiasm? Well, it seems that the media coverage really does have an outsized impact on the MoveOn.org crowd. And that's not surprising. There's actually a study that came out earlier this week that was pretty fascinating. What it showed is that college-educated liberals were far more politically polarized and woke than the Democratic base. So the Democratic base is much more moderate. The Democratic base doesn't have perverse perceptions of Republicans quite as much. They tend to think that Republicans, by and large, are their neighbors and decent people. The politically progressive woke base, which is largely people who are college-educated liberals who go to campus and then ensconce themselves in their cozy echo chamber, those people are the ones who are being pulled by MoveOn.org, and those are the people who have been rallying around Elizabeth Warren as the candidate of progressive ideas. Ooh. So Sanders is all the way down at 17%. VP Biden at 15%. That's pretty amazing. And Buttigieg at 12%. So Joe Biden at, at nearly matching Bernie Sanders' numbers among the MoveOn.org crowd is very, very bad news for Bernie Sanders. According to NBC News, that Sanders, the Vermont Independent, would do well in the progressive group's poll is no surprise. MoveOn backed him officially over Hillary Clinton in the 2016 Democratic primary. A majority of MoveOn members at the time said they preferred him to the former Secretary of State. But the progressives are gravitating toward like-minded policy wonk Warren could be another sign of trouble for Sanders. Well, part of it is that NBC News keeps calling Warren a policy wonk. Her policies are not wonkish. They are very, very bad ideas. Now, overall, most Democrats are still not all that enthused about Elizabeth Warren. The, the polling numbers show why Biden is, is maintaining at the top of the polls. First of all, he does have the benefit of low expectations. Everybody expects that Joe Biden is going to gaff nearly all the time. And so when he does gaff, everybody goes, oh, well, that's old Joe. Over time, is that going to do damage to him? I think it will. Over time, I don't know that, that Joe Biden can maintain. I've been saying all along that I think that Joe Biden's first day would be his best day. Now, again, I could be wrong. Maybe he maintains at 38. Maybe he just sweeps into the nomination. Nate Silver suggested, the, the statistician and, and pollster, he suggested that Joe Biden's chances of winning the nomination were under 50%. Now, that's as compared to the field, meaning that anyone else in the field is going to be lower than, that, than Joe Biden. But the field overall has a better than 50% chance of defeating Joe Biden. I think that's about right, that he has a plurality chance of being the nominee, but he certainly does not have the majority chance of being the nominee. A new poll from the AP and NORC Center for Public Affairs, however, finds that Democrats are not nearly as interested in the intersectional credentials of many of the candidates as the media are. The media are firmly convinced that they need an intersectional, a woman, somebody who's gay like Buttigieg, somebody who's black like Kamala Harris or Cory Booker, that you need somebody who is going to awaken the intersectional coalition to fight, fight, fight against the majority and all of this. 
But most Democrats aren't super interested in that, according to the AP, which is why Biden continues to maintain and why Biden should not be backing down or cowering at charges that he is, quote unquote, racist over old comments that were not, in fact, racist. The AP and Nork Center, they find that Democrats give a collective shrug to gender, race and age as factors they are considering when supporting a candidate. Instead, Democratic registered voters are yearning for experience in elected office. A whopping 73 percent cited that as a quality that would make them more excited about supporting a presidential candidate. That's because they are using experience in office as a measure of electability, meaning you've been elected a bunch of times before. This means you are electable and therefore you have a better chance of defeating Donald Trump. The top priority for Democrats is defeating Donald Trump. Now, as we've seen in the past, there is a live debate over whether that's actually a good strategy for an election, whether it is actually smart to go for the guy who is considered most electable. In 2012, Republicans went for the supposedly most electable candidate in Mitt Romney, and he, pre he proceeded to lose to Barack Obama. In 2016, Hillary Clinton was widely perceived early on as the most electable Democrat, and then she proceeded to lose to Donald Trump. One of the problems with people who are perceived as electable is very often they don't generate the kind of heat necessary to inspire people to go out to vote. That may be true with Joe Biden. He could be falling into a Hillary Clinton sort of trap here where people get comfortable, people think he's going to win, nobody's super enthused, but at least he's not Trump. That didn't work for Hillary Clinton, and you could see something similar happen for Joe Biden as well. 25 candidates, of course, are running for the party's nomination and include a very, very diverse field. But four in 10 Democratic voters said only that they would be excited about voting for a woman for president, as opposed to 73% who said that they were looking for experience in elected office. So here are candidate qualities that ignite excitement in Democrats. 73% has experience in elected office. Then it drops all the way down to 40. Is a woman. 38 has served in the military. 36% is younger. 26% has experience running a business. 26% black. 25% Latino. 20% LGBT. 20% shares your religious beliefs. By the way, that shows you something about the Democratic base at this point, that the same number of Democrats are interested in a candidate who shares their religious beliefs as are interested in a candidate who is lesbian, gay, or bisexual, or is transgender, 17% say would be interested in a candidate. That'd be a priority if the candidate were transgender. Yeah, that, that, we'll see how all of this plays in middle America. But that's why they're, they're favoring Biden at this point. Now, could Biden start to become the target? Absolutely. And we'll get to one article targeting Joe Biden in just a second. First, let me tell you something about the mattress I sleep on. It's so good that I got that mattress for my sister for her wedding. Okay, my, that mattress is so good that I took a more expensive mattress in my own home and moved it out of our room because Helix is just that good. When I love an advertiser's product so much that I actually go out and buy one as a gift for a relative, that means I really, really do love the product. That is the case with Helix Sleep mattresses. Helix Sleep has a quiz. It takes two minutes to complete. It matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. No matter how you sleep, on the side, on your back, hot sleeper, whatever, Helix can make what your body needs. Just go to helixsleep.com slash Ben. Take that two-minute sleep quiz. They will match you to a customized mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. For couples, Helix can even split that mattress right down the middle, providing those individual support needs and feel preferences for each side. They've got a 10-year warranty. You can try it out for 100 nights risk-free. So you got nothing to lose. They'll pick it up for you if you don't love it. You're going to love it. Helix is offering up to 125 bucks off all mattress orders for our listeners. Get up to 125 bucks off right now at helixsleep.com slash Ben. That's helixsleep.com dot com slash Ben for up to 125 bucks off that mattress order. The mattress is indeed fantastic. You have personalized everything else in your life. Why not a personalized mattress made for you? I mean, you're going to spend half your life on that thing. So go check it out right now. HelixSleep.com slash Ben. Okay. So as I say, Joe Biden is now the target. It's pretty obvious that he is the target. I mean, he's the front runner. And Matt Visor over at the Washington Post is going after Joe Biden for being Richie Rich. The headline, once the poorest senator, middle class Joe, has reaped millions in income since leaving the vice presidency. Now, here's the truth. I don't care if politicians make a lot of money after they leave office. I don't really see the problem with that, to be frank with you. He was the vice president of the United States. It seems to me that him making a lot of money on speeches, he should go for it. I mean, if that's what the market will bear, enjoy yourself, man. But the media aren't going to like this very much. They're going to go with the, he has to be a populist. Now, what's funny about this is that Elizabeth Warren is a very wealthy woman. Bernie Sanders is not impoverished. None of the top candidates, with maybe the exception of Pete Buttigieg, who I don't think is worth very much money, are worth a lot of money. Uh, I mean, are worth no money. They're all worth a lot of money. But Joe Biden is going to be excoriated for this, as we'll see. So this article suggests the Georgian-style home, once from the front of a brick version of the White House, once belonged to Alexander Haig, the former Secretary of State. Nestled on a wooded lot in McLean, 
The nearly 12,000 square foot residence contains five bedrooms and 10 bathrooms, marble fireplaces, a gym, and a sauna. Surrounded by Washington elite and sitting high above the Potomac River, there is undeniable grandeur in the design of this home, said the British-accented agent in a video released when it went on the market in 2015. This property makes an imposing statement with parking for over 20 cars and creates a perfect setting for the most lavish of events. I do love that they added that the, the person who made the real estate video is British-accented. That means that they're evil. As we know from all the movies, every, every movie villain ever is actually British. This may have been the residence to a very important person, he continued, but I suspect it will be the home to many more. It's currently home to Joe Biden. The house was purchased for $4.25 million, so that's an expensive home, in June 2016 by Mark Ein, a wealthy venture capitalist who lives next door to Joe Biden. Joe Biden and his wife, Jill, have been renting this house. Now, th this is a very cozy arrangement that we saw with Barack Obama, for example, political backers buying a piece of property and then cutting sweetheart deals with politicians they support so the politicians can live there. Biden points out on the campaign trail, he was often the poorest member of the U.S. Senate and for at least a decade has referred to himself as middle-class Joe. I've always found this also a bizarre sort of brag. I, I'm confused as to why you not earning a lot of money is a brag. Like you being a poor senator, why, why is that better than you having earned a lot of money in the private sector by being a productive citizen and then going into public service? Like the idea that you are very wealthy and that you make a lot of money before you join the government as opposed to, you know, living off the government teat for 40 years. I'm not sure why that, that's a worse pitch than I'm middle class to poor because I've been working for the government my entire life. Since leaving office, however, Joe Biden has violated his own rules. He has enjoyed an explosion of wealth making millions of dollars largely from book deals and speaking fees that range to as much as $200,000 per speech, public documents show. As Biden traveled the country before announcing his presidential campaign this spring, his sponsors provided VIP hotel suites, town cars and professional drivers, chartered flights and travel expense reimbursements that for some of his appearances reached at least $10,000 per event, according to contracts obtained by the Post through public records requests. So what? So what? I mean, I, it is amazing to me that I have to become a Joe Biden defender under these circumstances. So far, I've defended Joe Biden from the scurrilous accusation that he's a vicious racist, and now from the scurrilous accusation that, ooh, he spoke for people who are willing to pay him money. Ooh, it's very bad. But listen, he's a progressive, so he deserves whatever he gets from his progressive base. And this is a guy who's railed against people who are wealthy, suggesting that they should pay more taxes to be patriotic. We can see how much Joe Biden paid in taxes over the past few years. Maybe he should pay more in taxes. The Washington Post found at least 65 instances in which Biden gave a speech or appeared at a book event. In at least 10 of those instances, he did not take a fee, though he was reimbursed for travel expenses. Biden's campaign said he has given less than 50 paid speeches, but declined to be more specific about exactly how many he delivered or how much he earned in total. Biden's campaign declined to comment on the record for this story. They have taken care to avoid the backlash that haunted Hillary during the 2016 Democratic primary because she gave private speeches to Goldman Sachs and other Wall Street and other Wall Street interests. He only limited his appearances to less politically sensitive venues public documents show. Biden has been renting the McLean home. He purchased another $2.7 million, 4,800 square foot vacation house near the water in Delaware to go along with his primary residence. The nearly 7,000 foot square foot lakeside home he built more than two decades ago in Wilmington, Delaware. So this is his third home. So he's living it up, man. Joe Biden really enjoying himself in his post-vice presidency time. Now, I don't, again, I don't really think that this matters very much, but for Democrats who hate wealth and think that being wealthy means that you are now evil, I guess that this is a bad thing. So Joe Biden is going to feel the, the impact of all of this. A review of his previous tax returns show the Biden's adjusted gross income at $215,000 in 1998, the first year he has made available, and remained in that neighborhood until 2009. Uh, by Biden's final years in office, the couple's gross income totaled about $390,000 annually, and they donated nearly nothing to charity. For the 10 years preceding 2008, they donated an average of 369 bucks annually to charity. This is one of the beautiful things about being a Democrat. It means never having to give charity. It really is delightful to be a Democrat calling for everybody else to be patriotic and give more money to the government. Also, here is the change I found in my couch cushions, and I'm going to give this to a charity. For an average of $369 annually to charity, there was never a point in my adult life where I gave that kind of money to charity. I mean, I was making way less money than Joe Biden was here, and I was giving more, in the, and, and I am not the ideal of charity. There are people who give way more in charity than I do. The total increase when Biden served as VP with donation of book proceeds to charity, clothing to goodwill, and other contributions. The 2015 forms show he has taken out a mortgage on his Delaware home in 2013. 
He also took out a line of credit on his home the next year. His Delaware estate became the source of income for several years. So they, they are, they're doing well. They're doing well. In April of 2017, he signed a book deal that was worth $8 million, covering three books, two by the VP and one from Joe Biden. Two of those books have been published to date. So high income Joe, high net worth Joe, doesn't have the same sort of ring as, as middle class Joe. And we'll see how Democrats try to exploit that, saying that Biden is out of touch. That'll be the pitch, right? Biden is out of touch on issues of race. He's old. And now they're going to say he's out of touch with the common man because he's rich. It'll be amusing to watch the fellow progressives make him their, their targeting, their, 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 their target. It'll, it'll be very amusing to watch that, frankly. It, it is incredible to watch how far left the Democratic Party has moved. I mean, Joe Biden was on the progressive wing of the Democratic Party for many years, just as Nancy Pelosi was the leader of the progressive wing of the Democratic Party in Congress for many, many years, until AOC arose, at which point Nancy Pelosi became a moderate. The fact that Joe Biden is now considered the moderate in the Democratic Party is pretty astounding. It is a pretty astounding thing. In just a second, we'll get to Bernie Sanders, who's been stumbling along the way, and thus, he has announced his new strategy, free crap for everyone. By free crap for everyone, he means that you and I will pay for the free crap he wants to give people in return for their votes. Bribery with taxpayer dollars, fun and lucrative. We'll get to that in just one second. First, would you like to win a free gun? I mean, hell, who wouldn't? If you're a law-abiding citizen and you're somebody who knows how to use a gun, you should own a gun. If you answered yes, listen up. This is your last chance to do just that. I've teamed up with the United States Concealed Carry Association, to give you the opportunity to win awesome guns, gear, and self-defense guides daily. This is the last chance to get seven free chances to win $1,234 just for texting in. I'll repeat, you could win $1,234, the exact amount you need to buy a beautiful new 1911 just for texting in. There is no catch. As always, your information is kept safe. Text the word WIN to 87222 to see the gun and lock in your seven free chances to win. The USCCA is committed to helping responsibly armed Americans. That's why they offer giveaways like this. But you need to hurry because it all ends on this Friday, June 28th. Text WIN to 87222 right this moment to enter. And as an extra bonus, the first 2,000 people to enter also will be sent a USCCA concealed carry guide completely free. By the way, it's a great organization. Text WIN to 87222. Get your seven entries and free concealed carry guide. Text WIN to 87222-WIN to 87222. Okay, so Bernie Sanders looks to be on the ropes in this campaign. He's dropping in the polls. He's holding steady in a few of them at around 20%, but he is certainly nowhere near to challenging Joe Biden in supremacy in these polling numbers. He's basically getting doubled up by Joe Biden or surpassed by Elizabeth Warden. And that means that Bernie Sanders has to announce free stuff. The time has come. It's time for Bernie Sanders to announce free stuff. So yesterday, he announced that he wants to cancel the entirety of all student loan debt in the United States and presumably also going forward. So this is going to cost like $3 trillion. He says that he wants to spend $1.6 trillion right now. The case that he made on Twitter was, if we can bail out Wall Street, then we should be able to bail out student loans. I, I love that kind of logic. If we can do this thing that no one liked and everyone thought was bad, then we can also do this non sequitur. Great argument. Here is Bernie Sanders yesterday on the lawn, on CNN, telling all the younger people, first get off my lawn, second time paying off your student loans. This proposal will make it possible for every person in America to get all of the education they need, regardless of their financial status. This means making public colleges, universities, and HBCUs tuition-free and debt-free by tripling the work-study program, expanding Pell Grants, and other financial incentives. Okay, so we're going to just pay off everybody's student loans. Now, there are a million reasons this is a crap idea. Reason number one, disproportionately, the people with student loans are people who are middle-income and higher-income, or who will be because they have college degrees. So you are now creating a regressive tax system whereby people who have either already paid off their student loans or people who didn't take student loans are paying for people who did take student loans. Second, you're incentivizing people to go to college without regard to their financial situation. And that's really stupid because the fact is that very often, if you're going to college to major in art history at the cost of $150,000, that's not a good deal for you and it's not a good deal for the taxpayer. You should be going to college to learn a trade. And banks are a great way of telling you what exactly they think you're going to make coming out of college. You can take out those loans, but banks may charge you a higher interest rate depending on your major. If this were all privatized, 
One of the great tragedies of the American higher educational system is the subsidization of individual choice in education by the taxpayer. So the, 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 you know, we're not talking about mandatory education now. We're not talking about school vouchers for seventh graders who have to go to a school. We are talking about people going to college to major in random crap that they completely don't need and doing so on the back of people who are already earning the taxpayer dollars, many of whom are not going to college. And this is not a rip by saying that, that only dumb people don't go to college or something like that. That's silly. I know a thousand smart people who didn't go to college. And I know a thousand smart people who did go to college but probably didn't need to go to college. My business partner went to a community college for two years and dropped out. He's doing fine. He runs a business that employs 100 people. Okay, this is, you don't have to go to college to be highly successful by proclaiming that you do and that the taxpayer should foot the bill. We're engaged in something dumb. The reality is that many other countries that heavily subsidize higher education also do what's called tracking. In Israel, they subsidize higher education. They also track the students at age 17, 18 years old. And basically, you are tracked into engineering or you are tracked into some other field. And that way, the government basically knows that they're getting their worth out of you. Bernie Sanders, on the other hand, would simply like to throw everybody into wokeness studies at the university and then have you pay for it and me pay for it. Also, what a sucker I was. My goodness, what a sucker I was. So I took out a bunch of student loan debt to go to Harvard Law School. And then I proceeded to pay off all of my student loan debt. And then I paid for the end of my wife's college education. And I paid for her entire medical school education. And we paid for that because we're married. And we are suckers, man. We should have just waited around. In fact, I want student loan reparations. I was sucker enough to pay back the government if she took a Pell Grant, which I don't remember, frankly. I was certainly sucker enough to pay back the banks that made us the loans. I feel like I deserve reparations from Bernie Sanders. If we're going to do this, then everybody who fairly paid their debt ought to be paid also. Why is it only the people who didn't pay their debt who ought to be paid? So the more irresponsible you were with your debt in taking it out and then not paying it back, the more I'm supposed to pay for it, even though I already did my job by paying back my debt. Here's the thing. Monetary incentives help you structure your decision-making in a more beneficial way. If you think that there are no consequences to your actions, you are very likely to take more irresponsible actions. Responsibility comes with consequences. I talked yesterday on my radio show about the difference between carefree and free. Bernie Sanders seems to identify the two. The idea is that he wants you to be tr true freedom, he says, comes from economic security. No, true, true carefree feeling comes from economic security. True freedom comes in living like an adult where you bear the consequences of your actions. This actually incentivizes you to take more responsible actions. Bernie Sanders wants to disincentivize all of that. Bernie Sanders would like for everyone to have no incentive to be responsible. And you can see how this thinking leads to utter silliness. So the venerable Alexander Ocasio-Cortez, who is just a, ju a crown jewel of intellect in the United States Congress, she was out there yesterday stumping for Bernie Sanders' dumb plan. And she says that she told a very, very sad story, a very sad story about a girl who got into a dream college, but she couldn't afford to go. It, I mean, my heart wept. My heart wept. I was mentoring this girl, that this young woman, her name was Andrea. She was about three or four years younger than me. And she had gotten into all of these prestigious universities, but she was given no uh, student loan assistance. And she truly felt at 16, 17 years old she felt that the decision of college was so important that she felt that she needed to consider taking on $250,000 worth of debt to go to college. And I think that in and of itself illustrates the absurdity of our education financing system. And that is wrong. It is not right. Okay, I have a question. Why is it wrong? So she had to consider whether to take out debt to pay for an education that would presumably give her a calling card so she could make more money afterward and then pay back the debt. This is how loans work. When you take out a mortgage for a house, it's because you think that the house is either going to accrue in value or you're going to pay off the mortgage. You don't just take on, like, you know what my dream house is? My dream house is Joe Biden's current house. That sounds like a great house, right? 12,000 square feet, $4.25 million on the open market. Sounds pretty fantastic. You know what I'm not gonna do? Go buy that house. Not only because Joe Biden is living there and might go out on a balcony and shoot a shotgun into the air or something, but also because I can't afford that house, right? Why would I go and buy a house I can't afford? Making responsible financial decisions is part of being an adult. You know, I have lots of dreams. I have a dream that the media will objectively cover AOC's stupidity. That's not going to happen either, right? Not all dreams come true. Reality doesn't fulfill all of our dreams. 
But it seems to me that suggesting that there's something broken in our finance system, there is, by the way, something broken in our student loan finance system. And that is the involvement of the federal government in the first place, which has led to a radical increase in the number of people trying to get into, into college, which has led to a radical increase in the number of administrators, not a radical increase in supply, and thus a rising price. That's dramatically rising prices in the student loan markets, despite, and not despite, because of federal subsidies. That's why you're seeing these rising prices. But if the idea is that this poor girl achieved, got into a college and then had to take out student debt, which presumably she will then pay off, maybe she should assess whether it is worth the debt or not. The fact that we take it for granted that it is worth the debt to go to college is very silly. It's very silly. We do this all the time in our lives. But you wouldn't do this with a mortgage. You wouldn't. You wouldn't do it with any other form of debt. You wouldn't say, listen, my dream is to own that enormous house right there, and so I'm taking on $4 million of debt on a $100,000 salary. You wouldn't do that because this would make you a fool. Why people do it with college is just because there's been a lie that's been promulgated by our media and our politicians that if you go to college, you are instantly guaranteed a six-figure income when you come out, no matter what garbage you major in. And it's silly, and it's stupid, and it's counterproductive. Okay, in just a second, I'll show you more foolish lines of thought from illustrious members of our Congress on student loans. But first, let me tell you about the best suit that I own. The best suit that I own is an Indochino suit. It was customized. It was made just for me. There's no reason for you to buy a suit off the rack. Just go get a fantastic personalized suit from Indochino. They make suits and shirts your exact measurements for an unparalleled fit and comfort. I mean, these are good-looking suits. They have an attention to detail you're just not going to find at department stores. If you're in the middle of planning a wedding, they have tons of options for people looking to outfit their wedding party. They have a wide selection of high-quality fabrics and colors to choose from, plus the option to personalize the details, including your lapel, your lining, pockets, buttons, writing your own monogram. Here's how it works. You can visit a stylist at one of their showrooms, or you can measure at home and shop online at Indochino.com. Choose your fabric and design customizations. Simply submit your measurements with your choices online, and then you can sit back and relax while your suit gets professionally tailored and then mailed to you in a couple of weeks. This week, my listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just 369 bucks at Indochino.com when you enter Shapiro at checkout. That's 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit, plus shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code Shapiro, for any premium suit for just 369 bucks and free shipping. It's an incredible deal for a premium made-to-measure suit. Go check it out right now. Once you go custom, you're not going to go back. Look like James Bond, not like the schlub in the real estate commercial. Go check them out right now at Indochino.com and use promo code Shapiro for any premium suit, just 369 bucks. Okay, we're gonna get to more on student loans and then we're gonna get to Joe Biden who continues to fight back against Bernie Sanders. We'll see if he succeeds and Pete Buttigieg running into some trouble. Get to all that. First, you have to go subscribe over at dailywire.com. Go do that, $9.99 a month. You've heard of the spiel before. Nine bucks a year gets you this, the very greatest in all beverage vessels. Cast your eyes upon it and despair that you have it not, but you could. Go check it out right now over at dailywire.com. And please join the team. It really helps us bring you the show every day. It helps insulate us from the vicissitudes of people on the left who are interested in taking down the show. It helps us make sure that we can pay the venerable people who work here. So go check us out over at dailywire.com. We appreciate it. We are the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in America. Okay, AOC wasn't just telling sad stories about others. No, AOC had a sad story about AOC, a very sad story about AOC, despite the fact that AOC is the youngest elected member of Congress, despite the fact that AOC is completely unqualified for her position on any intellectual or governmental level, despite the fact that AOC earns close to $180,000 a year and lives in a luxury apartment in Washington, D.C., she's a victim, don't you know? And she's a victim because she has student loan debt. Ooh, just like a lot of people, she has student loan debt. And this means that she has been victimized by the system. The system's bad. How do we know the system is bad? Listen to her case for why the system is bad. And I will, let's see if you can spot the logical flaw in what she's saying. I will be completely honest. I will disclose my, my personal stake in this fight because I have student loans too. And I think it's so funny. A year ago, I was waiting tables in a restaurant and it was literally easier for me to become the youngest woman in American history elected to Congress than it is to pay off my student loan debt. Okay, she is so unbelievably whiny. I'm sorry, this is, stop, stop bitching for a second. I mean, stop complaining. Like, that's so unbelievably whiny. I have student loans at poor little me and therefore bail me out. I mean, talk about a privileged mentality. I voluntarily took out student loan debt 
And then I use my college degree to brag about how smart I am because I have a degree in international relations where apparently I learn things like Jeremy Corbyn is wonderful and we have concentration camps on the border. And also I have a minor in economics where I learn things like capitalism is very bad and also it's some sort of oppression to grow certain types of vegetables in Brooklyn or something. And then she stands around talking, oh, poor little AOC. Oh, oh, the, the heart weeps. Oh, we all have to. Okay, so if her contention is, that it was easier for her to get elected to Congress than to pay off her student loan debt, this is an excellent case for her not being in Congress. It's an excellent case. And I will tell you why. If you are unable to pay off your student loan debt, I have a proposal. If you are unable or unwilling to pay off your student loan debt, you should not be a representative in the public sphere. Number one, you got skin in the game and you're bailing yourself out. So if you're bailing yourself out, that's not great. That's not a great thing. Because here we're not talking about you keeping more of your own money. We are talking about you being forgiven debt that you voluntarily took out. She's basically Michael Scott in the office, running out in public shouting, I declare bankruptcy. It's ridiculous. Like if you can't pay for your student loan debt, don't take it out. And also, your voters should know that like really, if it was easier for you to be elected to Congress than to pay off your student loan debt, that doesn't say a lot about you. Maybe you should have worked on paying off your student loan debt like a responsible human being. By the way, how much of that $175,000 to be in Congress, which is basically a part-time job, doesn't sound bad to me. Seems like you could pay your student loan debt off right now instead of asking me to pay off your student loan debt, lady. Really ridiculous. Okay, and then finally, we have Ilhan Omar. So Ilhan Omar, who may or may not have once married her brother, this is still under dispute according to the Minneapolis Star Tribune. She says that, don't worry, guys, don't worry. Student loan debt, this isn't to give away to the rich. We need to do it right now. It's not a giveaway to the rich to give a bunch of people who graduated college and voluntarily took out debt forgiveness for their loans, as opposed to, you know, low-income people who have to take out loans from payday lenders and stuff. No, we should definitely make sure that people who graduated from Harvard with $200,000 in debt, that they are, their loans must be paid off. That's not a giveaway to the rich, says Ilhan Omar. What my bill does is simple as it is revolutionary, as Senator Sanders says. It cancels all of 1.6 trillion student loan debt. No exceptions, no questions asked, full cancellation. You might ask, why full cancellation? What about the people who can pay off their student debt? Well, let me say this. The children of Donald Trump aren't asking or taking out student loans. Canceling student debt is a problem of the poor and the middle class, not of the rich. Okay, that's absolute utter horsepucky. It's absolute nonsense. You know the reason it's absolute nonsense? Because many rich people do take out student loan debt, specifically because they want their kids to have to pay off the debt. Okay, also, many people take out student loan debt because the student loans are actually really low interest rates. So it doesn't make a lot of sense to pay cash out of pocket now when you could incur a low interest rate over time. Also, the idea is that you have increased your earning potential by going to college. So the question isn't, were you rich when you went into college and took out the loan debt? The question is, are you richer coming out because that was the whole bargain, wasn't it? Is that you were going to have a higher earning potential and therefore you can pay off the debt. None of this makes any sense, but that's okay. It doesn't have to make sense. It's free stuff for everybody. Yay, Democrats. Don't you feel more free? I feel more free knowing that there are a bunch of Democrats who are going to come to my house with a gun if I don't pay taxes to pay for AOC student loan debt. Makes me feel more free, I can tell you that. And here in, herein lies the pitch for Joe Biden, right? In the end, here's the pitch for Joe Biden. Joe Biden said yesterday, listen, I'm not saying free stuff for everybody. That this is a revolutionary statement in modern American politics is truly incredible. But here's Joe Biden. The thing is that the idea, as we strengthen the African-American community throughout this country, what we do is we not only make it better for them, we make it better for all of America. And to those people who are cynical about this, I want to point out, we save billions of dollars in the process, billions of dollars. And look, Rev, we can do this. We're not, I'm not making these numbers up. Mine or not, let's make everything free for everybody all the time. We can send everybody to community college for free, cutting in half the cost of college by just adding $6 billion to our budget. Okay, he sounds, like, he sounds like a moderate simply because he says, I'm not going to make everything free. So that, that's where all of this comes in. Now, what's fascinating about the current race is that when you look at the racial breakdown among the Democrats, it really is fascinating. Joe Biden has a heavy share of the black vote, and this is why he is off to such a strong start. If you look at his share of the white vote, it actually ain't great. He's running absolutely competitively with Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders among white Americans. Among black Americans, he is way the hell ahead. He has something like 40% of all the black vote in the Democratic primaries, which means that he walks away with the nomination. 
And there have been attacks on Biden over race, right? Ta-Nehisi Coates was out there saying that Joe Biden shouldn't be the nominee. Al Sharpton, who for some reason is still considered an expert that people are looking to for moral guidance, despite the fact that he's one of the worst race baiters in modern American history and a garbage heap of a human being. The man who, who was originally made famous by the Tawana Browley hoax, a man who is deeply anti-Semitic. You know, pin back your yarmulkes and come on over to my house, he said, right before the Crown Heights riots of 1991. Shouting about diamond merchants right before Freddy's fashion markets burned down in the 1990s. This guy is considered somebody that everybody has to go visit and pay homage to. Al Sharpton, a terrible human being. Well, Al Sharpton last night said that Joe Biden needs to apologize for suggesting that he has to work with people with whom he disagrees, including in the past segregation of senators. Here's Al Sharpton ripping on him. It's had no effect whatsoever, none. This is about showing that you're sensitive and that you regard the re- and respect the feelings of people that you want to govern and say, you know, I can grow and I can learn that uh, if I make a mistake, even if it's unintentional, I can say that's a mistake. I'm sorry if I hurt somebody there, but let's move on and bring the country together to normalize and act like there's some kind of civil engagement with people that were advocating outright racist and, and bigoted views. To civilize or normalize that is painful. You can't give comfort to racism, and you got to admit and own when you say something that may be insensitive to others. But it's having no impact on Joe Biden. None. Among the voting electorate, it's having none. Okay, And part of that is because the sort of aura of Barack Obama is on Joe Biden. Right. Barack Obama, the most popular figure in American politics among black Americans for obvious reasons. I mean, first black president would do that, you would imagine. Yeah, that, that has affected Joe Biden in a pretty serious way. And that means that even Cory Booker's attacks on Joe Biden basically backfired, according to The New York Times. So Cory Booker has not gained in the polls. He's been backing off of his battle deliberately with Joe Biden. So that is, you know, that, that's telling. At the same time, the racial attacks are working on Pete Buttigieg. So Pete Buttigieg, who was until five seconds ago the darling of the media when they decided to change their allegiance from Buttigieg to Elizabeth Warren wholesale. Now, Pete Buttigieg has been confronted by angry protesters in South Bend, Indiana, after a black man who was allegedly breaking into cars, was confronted by police, turned around, allegedly was carrying a knife. There's no dash cam footage or, or camera footage from body armor or anything from the police. And, and he was shot by a police officer holding a knife, allegedly. That's all the available evidence. Just because there's a lack of tape does not mean that there is a falsification of evidence. It just means there's no evidence from the tape. So that's what we know. Well, Pete Buttigieg went back to South Bend, Indiana to deal with this. And then he just got shellacked by his own citizens. And the media are burying him. Let's give him a moment. Okay. Okay, so hold on. Mayor, when that young man got killed over there, ran over at the stoplight, what did you say? What did you say, Mayor? You dang near blamed him. How can we supposed to trust you? These people is unheard, and that's why y'all getting the reaction y'all getting. So stop telling people shut up. Stop telling people how to feel. Because y'all don't, y'all not feeling the same way we feeling. I've been fighting the same fight with these people for six years. I had to stop New Black Power because we got retaliated against. How can we trust y'all? When we get retaliated against for fighting against y'all, how can we trust y'all? Okay, so... The View went after him wholesale yesterday. And I think that this is indicative of where the Democratic mindset is going with Pete Buttigieg. The, the, the party's over. The thrill is gone. Here's Joy Behar going after Pete Buttigieg. Mayor Pete, fix what's going on in South Bend. I think they have 100,000 people there or something. Yeah, but I don't remember. Very what they small, said. Yes. It's small. Somebody will but tell you in your year. It's he, a small population. Do your job first there and then run for president. Yeah. He has had a problem with the African American yeah. community in South Bend for quite some time. You have to feel this community's pain yeah. that you're representing. Yeah. And I thought he did a really piss poor job of listening to those people in that town hall yeah. and feeling the well, pain. They let him know. Okay, so, I mean, people are, are upset with people. And it's not just The View. CNN's Jackie Kucinich yesterday said, Buttigieg can't even name his black supporters. I mean, he's in trouble here. The Daily Beast, Henry Trudeau, has a story today um, about talking with African-American leaders. And he was asked during these private meetings, who are your black supporters back home? Who can you name? And he couldn't give them an answer. And it was an answer that he gave to several people that uh, that she spoke to. Mm-hmm. So that in and of itself, not being able to answer that question, 
is problematic, and it's making um, some of these folks that Hannah spoke to think that he's not serious and that he's kind of naive um, about his interactions with the African-American community. And this, what's going on mm -hmm. in South Bend is underscoring that right now. So the attack is still useful, but it's only working on Buttigieg, not on Biden. Why? Because Buttigieg is an unknown. Biden has a long history. People have already made up their minds about Joe Biden. And this, in essence, is his greatest strength. People already have an opinion of Joe Biden. He was the vice president for eight years. He is 100% baked in, kind of like Trump. That means that most attacks on him are going to fail. So that means that it's not about making Joe Biden into a 15% candidate. He's never going to be a 15% candidate. It's about tearing him down to 25%, 20%. If you get him down to 25, he's not, he's not the, the nominee. Because what you're going to start seeing is some of these Democrats start to drop out over time. Remember, we are a year and a half out, guys. I mean, it is June of 2019. The first primaries are not until, what, the beginning of February of 2020? So we are a solid six to seven months away from the first primaries. That means that there are going to be some of these candidates who drop out. Their support is going to go other places. Biden's going to have to outlast a lot of folks. If his ceiling is really 38%, and we don't know where his floor is, let's say that his floor is somewhere in the 20s, this could turn into a competitive race still because the best thing for Elizabeth Warren right now is for Pete Buttigieg to fall apart. If you're the last person standing in the progressive lane, you are the chief rival to Joe Biden. And then it's on. Then it's on. All righty, time for some things I like and then some things that I hate. So things that I like. So if you are a fan of the John Wick series, as you all know, I think that John Wick, in retrospect, some of the great movies in the history of mankind, the, the first 15 minutes of John Wick 3 is just nothing but pure wonder and joy. There is a movie that was made back in 2011 it's an Indonesian film, and it was directed by Gareth Edwards, who has gone on to direct the, uh, the 2014 Godzilla, which actually is a really good film. Uh, it's, it's very underrated. The movie is called The Raid. It's effectively diehard with karate. It basically, it is, the entire premise is that there's a criminal who lives on the top building of this, uh, the top floor of this building, and the cops go in, and they have to get to the top floor of the building, dodging all of the criminals who live in the building and are directed by the criminal at the top. That's the entire movie. And it's a great elevator pitch, right? I mean, any movie that you can sum up in one, John Wick is like that. They killed his puppy, he kills everyone. That's the entire movie, right? This is, the raid is like that, except it's got some of the best shot and directed action sequences I've ever seen. I mean, this is really well choreographed stuff. Here's a little bit of the preview. We won't play too much of it because it's in a foreign language. So for, for the audio listeners, it's not gonna give you much. There's 20 elite cops. One ruthless crime lord. 30 floors of chaos. That's it. That's the entire pitch, guys. And the, the, the action sequences are just terrific. You've seen some of these actors in other things. So the, the guy who was sort of the breakout star from this ended up playing one of the parts in, uh, in The Force Awakens. Uh, actually, in Rogue One. Sorry, in Rogue One. He ends up playing... Uh, one of the sort of uh, jujitsu masters in, in Rogue One. The movie is really fun. It's really good. I look forward to watching The Raid too. It's really funny. So I have a friend who works over at Vox named Jane Costin, and Jane and I disagree on an enormous amount about politics, but we have very similar taste in movies, and we were agreeing that this is one of the great films in the history of film, The Raid. So go check it out. It's available, I believe, on Netflix. Certainly it's available for rent on Amazon. If you're into good action flicks that are completely mindless, this definitely ranks. It's pretty, it's pretty phenomenal. Okay, time for some things that I hate. Okay, so the suppression of speech continues apace. Yesterday, James O'Keefe and his group over at Project Veritas unleashed video that showed a Google insider talking specifically about how Google has been manipulating its search results, how top members of the Google brass are interested in preventing another Trump election in 2020, and so they've been manipulating things from behind the scenes. The amount of trust in social media is declining rapidly, and thanks to videos like this, it definitely should. Here's a little bit of what it sounded like. They're a highly biased political machine um, that is bent on never letting somebody like Donald Trump come to power again. 2020 is certainly on top of my old organization. 
organization Trust and Safety is top of mind. They've been working on it since 2016 to make sure we're ready for 2020. Elizabeth Warren is saying that we should break up Google. And like, I love her, but she is very misguided. Like, that will not make it better. It'll make it worse because now all these smaller companies who don't have the same resources that we do will be charged with preventing the next Trump situation. It's like a small So Jen Janai is the head of Responsible Innovation at Google. And she's making the case that you can't break up Google because if you have too many small companies, then those small companies won't be able to police and stop Trump in 2020 the same way that they couldn't stop Trump in 2016. I mean, this is this is ugly stuff. And this is going to grow. We're going to see more of this because basically the Democrats, the Republicans are, are militating, I think, you know, wrongly in terms of government tactics. But the Republicans, at least, are militating in favor of these platforms being open. Democrats are trying to threaten these companies. They're going to break them up unless they shut down speech they don't particularly like. And the headline over at Huffington Post, as we speak right now, is all about shareholders at MasterCard trying to get MasterCard to refuse to work with companies, that, to work with people they don't like. Now, there are a lot of people I don't like that these people also don't like. White supremacists, for example. But the Orwellian idea of having credit card companies and banks, you're starting to see this too, banks and credit card companies decline to do business, not with violent organizations, that's one thing, or organizations that sponsor violence, or that violate the law, but with organizations that express opinions they don't like. So what, are we now going to have credit cards that are available by every different political orientation? So now if you voted for Donald Trump, you won't be able to use MasterCard. Is that where this is going? The reason I say that is not because this is a slippery slope argument. I think that you can prevent white supremacists without preventing Trump supporters, but I don't think the left is going to hold by that because the left conflates everyone. The hard left says, I'm a white supremacist, even though I hate white supremacists, think they're evil. They threaten my life on a regular basis and I have full-time security because of them. So do I trust these folks to draw the lines? No, I don't trust these folks to draw the lines. Huffington Post says for months, MasterCard has tried to suffocate the creation of an internal committee that would monitor payments to white supremacists and far-right extremists. See, they're already broadening it out. But on Tuesday, Renegade shareholders will finally force a vote on the matter during the company's annual shareholder meeting. Like most credit card companies, MasterCard is hesitant to surrender profits by blocking violent white supremacists from using its services unless laws are being broken. Notice the coverage here from Huffington Post. Violent white supremacists, unless laws are being broken. Well, which is it? If they're violent, the law is being broken. So they're not violent, are they? MasterCard currently processes payments for several extremist groups, including the League of the South, National Policy Institute, Proud Boys, Stormfront, VDARE, Identity Europa, Occidental Descent, and Radix Journal, according to Color of Change. I don't like any of those organizations. That does not mean that we can withstand a climate in which the left gets to decide which companies get to work with which groups, even if those groups are not breaking the law. So now the, the, this is the next attempt. The next attempt is going to get banks to shut down people. And it starts with people you don't like, and pretty soon they're working on people you do. It's all good times. It's all good times. Sorry, quick correction on the raid. I'm, my producer's telling me. It was Gareth Evans who directed the raid. It was Gareth Edwards who directed Godzilla. My bad. Okay, in any case, back to the topic at hand. So when it comes to when it comes to the attempts to use major companies to shut down people who you don't like, this is truly dangerous to America's discourse and it, it kills all trust. You're going to end up with really radicalized politics simply because you, if you're banned from using certain types of credit card, where are you going to go? To the credit card that presumably will take you. This is why I'm not in favor of deplatforming. Defeat ideas in the realm of ideas. Don't try to ban ideas. Ban violence. Fight violence. Don't ban ideas, even ideas that I think are crappy. And by the way, I've been targeted by these folks far more than anybody writing for the Huffington Post, and it ain't close. Okay, other type of things that I hate today. So the media are, are asking themselves why they're not covering the allegations of E. Jean Carroll more. E. Jean Carroll is the gossip columnist who claims that back in the 1990s, Donald Trump forcibly raped her. Okay, it's the most serious accusation against Trump. So the media are trying to lump this in with all of the other allegations against Trump because there are 16 or 21 other allegations against President Trump, depending on the numbers that you use. Some of those allegations range from he kissed me, he forcibly kissed me in a closet, to he tried to touch my genitals or did touch my genitals. This is the most serious allegation because it is an allegation of forcible penetrative rape. And she suggests that Donald Trump took her into a dressing room at a Bergdorf and then forcibly raped her. I mean, forcibly penetrated her. So this is by far the most serious allegation. And you can take all these allegations seriously and say, as I have said for a very long time, that President Trump has a long record of being garbage with women, which he does, and still say that you still have to take each allegation as per the allegation. So I think many of the allegations about him forcibly kissing women, for example, those seem credible to me. I can't say I think that this allegation 
does not raise significant red flags. And the reason that it doesn't raise, that, that, that I think it raises significant red flags is the behavior of E. Jean Carroll here does not bespeak a level of credibility. She took a picture on the cover of New York Magazine wearing the jacket she says that President Trump raped her in. She says she refuses to turn it over to police for DNA analysis so we can determine whether that is true or not. She said yesterday that she would not actually be attempting to push prosecution because it would distract from rape at the border or something. And then yesterday, she suggested she did something so bizarre on Anderson Cooper on CNN that Anderson Cooper had to randomly cut to a commercial. And it was really, it was bizarre. It was weird. It, it undercuts credibility. It does go to credibility. And you have to assess credibility. You have to take allegations seriously. And then you have to assess the evidence and the credibility. It doesn't make you look credible when you say things like this on CNN. You don't feel like a victim. I was not thrown on the ground and ravished. Which The word rape carries so many sexual connotations. This was not... This was not sexual. It just, it, it hurt. It just, what, it just, you know. But I think most people think of rape as a, I mean, it is a violent assault. It is not I think most people rape. think of rape as being sexy. Mm. Let's take a short break. Think of the fantasies. Mm. We're just going to take a quick break. If you can stick around, we'll talk more on the other side. Anderson You're Cooper. To talk to Anderson Cooper sinking into the ground trying to escape via commercial. His producer's in his ear right there. You can tell the signs of it. I mean, that's, make your judgment for yourself. But it is amazing to watch the media pretend that the allegations by this woman are as substantiated as some of the other allegations against Trump. And these are much more serious allegations than some of the other allegations. I mean, there is a level of seriousness that attends to penetrative forcible rape that is not quite the same as he grabbed my face and kissed me, and kissed me on the lips at a public event, which are some of these other allegations. Nonetheless, there's Chris Cuomo, you know, saying that this is super, it's super important. How, why are we just brushing her off as just one more? That's the point. You can't brush her off as just one more. You have to assess the allegations on their own merit. What the Democrats and, and many in the media are trying to do is wrap this all up into a ball and say, okay, well, if he did the X, then he did Y. He may have done Y. I don't know. You don't know. Nobody knows, except for Eugene Carroll and Trump, presumably. But if the allegation is that he has done a lot of things before, therefore he did this thing, you know, in court, we don't actually allow that. Evidence of past crimes is not actually admissible in court specifically because you're supposed to assess whether a thing occurred on the basis of whether the thing occurred. Here is Chris Cuomo, though, saying that we shouldn't just brush this one off. No one's brushing it off, but you do have to listen to what the lady's saying, and she is not helping herself here. This prominent journalist accuses the sitting president of rape. This is the most extreme accusation we've had against this president. And it has had almost no impact, really, on our dialogue. If people are so appalled by this president's nonchalance and the wild number of women who say they were attacked or assaulted, or in this case, raped, why isn't this most serious account to date? When others were covered in large ways, why is this not front page news? Okay, everywhere? the answer is that what it's not front page news, really, because this lady has undercut her own credibility a bunch of times. I mean, that's the real answer. The real answer is, this, was, this would be front page news if she weren't going on national television and suggesting that she's not prosecuting because she doesn't want to distract from rape at the border. It, it would be front page news if she weren't coming out with a book next week after staying silent on this thing for 20 years, despite the fact that Trump was a public figure in the 1990s, remained a public figure all the way up to his presidency, and was hit with a wave of these allegations in 2016. And it would be front page news if she weren't going on Anderson Cooper and then saying that rape is sexy. And that she doesn't, she says, I wasn't thrown on the ground and ravaged. That, hers, that is her actual allegation. Her actual allegation is that she was grabbed by the arms, that Trump held her against a wall and then ravished her, right? And then raped her. That is her actual allegation. You got to actually look at the evidence in these cases before you decide whether or not this actually, this particular instance, and, and that doesn't undercut the generalized argument about what President Trump is with women. But the reason people are not taking this allegation with the same seriousness as some of the others in 2016 is because, frankly, some allegations are more credible than others. This one seems less credible to most people. I think that there's a reason why that is. And it's not simply political partisanship. Okay, we'll be back here a little bit later today with a couple additional hours of content, or we'll see you here tomorrow. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Robert Sterling, directed by Mike Joyner, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. Production assistant, Nick Sheehan. 
The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. Hey guys, over on the Matt Wall Show today, Santa Claus Sanders has landed on the roof, hopped out of the sleigh with his bag of goodies. Uh, this time he's talking about he wants to get rid of all student debt and make college free for everyone forever. What are the problems with uh, that idea? Well, there are too many problems to list, but we'll go through as many of them as we can today on the show. Also, the NBA, uh, speaking of bad ideas, is getting rid of the term owner because that term is racist, apparently. And they're replacing it with the weirdest, dumbest replacement you can possibly imagine. So we'll talk about that. Uh, Answer some emails as well today over on the Matt Walsh Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second first. Pure Talk believes in American values, and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick-charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 